You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome again to Disney One by One. This week, we're talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame from 1996. And as always, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney 1X1. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it helps us out immensely. With me this week, as always, the victor to my Hugo. No, are those the gargoyles? <laughs> yeah, David Rolfing. <laughs> David, welcome to Disney One by One. Not one of your best, I don't think. Uh, thank you for having me back. Yes, and, and joining us. He is a returning, 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 returning guest. You've heard him on Pinocchio. You've heard him on Saludos Amigos. On Alice in Wonderland and the Black Cauldron, he might as well be the third host of this show. <laughs> Chris Lair, welcome back to Disney One by One. Woo, thank you. Glad to be here. It's truly an honor. <laughs> we love having you back, and, and I, I really enjoyed our Black Cauldron episode. I've listened to that one a few times. It was, it was a lot of fun. Me too. It was more enjoyable than the movie itself. <laughs> oh, pish posh. <laughs> So, Mike, you have been exploring the Italian and Swiss lands of Europa. <laughs> yes. And you stopped by a few movie sets on your journey. Tell we, us a little bit did. about it. And I will say two of the three were sort of accidental. What? My wife and I went to Italy for our fifth anniversary. I was actually in France for work, uh, butting right up to it. So I was in France for five days and then uh, drove over to Milan and picked up my wife, which was kind of fun. And we first stayed on Lake Como, which Lake Como is a very large lake. And we were staying at a little town called Argegno. I was aware that there had been some movies filmed on Lake Como. The day we got there, we were just sort of Googling what was nearby to see what we could do. Because I'd made some plans, but also left some time for just some freedom and some relaxing. Because we don't tend to do that on vacations. (laughs) (laughs) And we... Uh, we're looking at what villas were close by to where we were staying because the villas of Lake Como are very famous. There's some very large estates that are quite beautiful. And the biggest one that was the closest to us, I forget the name of it, Villa de Biarbabelo or something like that. Wow. Um, happened to be the location <laughs> of Queen Amidala's retreat on Naboo. Oh, the my. <laughs> uh, Amazing. The site of the famous uh, I don't like sand monologue from Anakin. It's coarse and irritating. Gets everywhere. Exactly. And it was a mere, it was a mere 12 minute drive from where we were staying. And so our first morning we got there, I read it open and uh, did a garden tour of, of, of Padme's Villa. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was a self-guided tour, so we could do whatever we wanted. And uh, I will say the movie definitely was, the location in the movie was aided, it was aided by CG. They definitely added some to the buildings, but that very spot of that scene was quite untouched amazing and uh we took a nice picture in the spot of of that scene i gotta know it's fun at dinner did you like use your force powers to pick up a pear and like (laughs) (laughs) i I considered it there was no fruit there was no fruit consumed that evening unfortunately dang it (laughs) we had pizza for lunch and probably some sort of fish for dinner but uh i thought about it Hmm. did you talk about your forbidden attraction next to a fireplace laying on a couch (laughs) we did have a couch in our airbnb but there was no fire there was no fireplace Ah. that villa was also the site of of a scene in casino royale after bond gets his balls bashed in by by lachif he goes off to recover 
and that's where they filmed that it's where like the banker guy comes up he's like oh you must enter your password oh yeah it's that that scene huh so, so cool. that was followed by a, a quick jaunt through switzerland where and this was uh, this was planned if the weather was nice uh, the plan was to go up to Pease Gloria, which is on top of the Schilthorn Mountain. And Pease Gloria is the site of Blofeld's base in Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the Bond movie starring George Lazenby. Oh, okay. It is a top, a very tall mountain, and it has an incredible view. You take a couple cable cars up there. Dave and I had been there before. Our family went to Switzerland many years ago. Um, really? But when we, when we went up to, to the top of the Schilthorn, it was very cloudy and you couldn't see anything. So it was kind of a waste mm. of a trip. Bummer. So I would not have done it again if the weather was bad, but the weather was good. So we, we, we ventured up there and it was it was pretty cool. It's been redeemed. We watched the movie a couple nights prior at Lake Como to get inspired. Wow. And then the third movie location. Whoa, third? Which was a surprise, kind of. Uh, we, we ended up down in Positano in southern Italy. And then we had a kind of a day to drive back to Rome after our Airbnb expired. And before we had to we had to fly out the next day. And so I had planned to stop at this place called the Palace of Caserta. I just Googled like what was on the way. There was Vesuvius and Pompeii. Whoa. And then just about 10 minutes from there was the Palace of Caserta, which was hailed as the, as the Versailles of Italy. Versailles is, you know, the giant palace in France. Right. Which is very, quite the tourist attraction, very heavily attended. I was expecting this to be the same. And the few things I read online uh, said as such. And so I bought tickets ahead of time and we drove we, we we climbed vesuvius which was a pain in the butt i don't recommend it and then we drove <laughs> to the palace of caserta and show up and went to this parking garage that was underground like underneath the palace and it was like it was it was empty it was like we're in a zombie movie this like vast what? parking garage is empty it was all made out of marble it was so weird we walk <laughs> up and we're walking up to the palace it's like 100 degrees outside and there's like no one to be seen like is this place closed i'm like well i bought tickets so it's gotta be open and we stroll in and there's like, there's not a soul there. Turns out this place was used as the inside of Amidala's palace on Naboo. Oh my goodness. So like where her <laughs> throne room is. Yeah. And a few other scenes where she's walking down the giant staircase with the Viceroy and they're trying to convince her to sign the treaty. It's where they grappling hook up the windows. And so I got some really fun pictures in the throne room. Oh man. Because there was no one there. There were like, we maybe, I mean, this place was huge. And there were probably like 50 other tourists there, which is wow. not very many in a vast palace. <laughs> this was a very Star Wars prequels trip. It was. I love it. It was. And so uh, that was really cool. I highly recommend the Palace of, of Caserta. We also like went to the Vatican and the place was just swarming with people. It was not pleasant. Really? The Palace, the Palace of Caserta was like the exact opposite. It was beautiful. I mean, there was just room after room of beautiful, ancient, not ancient, but, you know, Renaissance paintings. And Yeah. I'll share a couple of those photos. Um, actually, you can find them on my, on my personal Instagram if you go to at Mike Rolfing. Sweet. Anyway, uh, that's enough about my trip. Chris, we've learned plenty about you and people can 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 hear that on the previous 17 episodes you're on. But I uh, I was recently gifted... A, a board game. It's basically Disney Trivial Pursuit. It's called The Wonderful World of Disney Trivia. hey -o. I threw away the board, but I kept the box of question cards, so I figured we could just do some trivia. I have not looked at these, so I have no idea what these are about, but uh, we'll see how much you guys know. I guess just yell it out if you know the answer. I was going to say, yeah. how does this work? Do I, is there a buzzer? Well, do we'll do, my chair? Let's, just, let's do first to ten, and if that's way too long, we'll cut it to five. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. In Pocahontas, what name does Governor Ratcliffe give to the new settlement? Jamestown. Ding, ding, ding. 
All right, Chris, one, David, zero. Okay. In Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, what two instruments does Dopey play during the silly song? Accordion and piano? No, David. Darn Accordion it. and flute. Nope. Drums and cymbals. I was way, I was way okay. off. <laughs> you were so sure on the accordion. According to Baloo's song, The Bare Necessities from the Jungle Book, what does Baloo find when he looks under rocks and plants? Fancy ants. Nailed it. Chris, two. David, zero. Okay, now the bottom category on these cards is all parks related. I love this. Okay. Where in Disneyland Park is Injun Joe's Cave? Frontierland. Ah. That is actually not correct, technically. Oh, Big Thunder Mountain. Nope. Ah. On Tom Sawyer's Island. Daggummit. Okay, Bacchus, Ben Alligator, and Hop Low are characters in what Disney animated feature? Fantasia. Nailed it. Three nil. <laughs> what? You sure you don't want to go to ten? <laughs> we are going to ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Might be a skunk. In the animated feature Robin Hood, what kind of animals are Nutsy and Trigger? Vultures. Nailed it. Four nil. Oh, dang. When the Carousel of Progress moved from Disneyland Park to the Walt Disney World Resort, what attraction took its place? America Sings. Nailed it! Chris Lair! You, you, you impress me. What did all the animatronics from America Sing uh, become? Splash Mountain. Yes, that is correct. All right. Trained my whole life for this. <laughs> <laughs> when the genie turns Aladdin into a prince, what alias does Aladdin use? Prince Ali, prince Ali Ababwa. <laughs> yep, got it. Six nil. What? I don't I, know. I, I said it a, first. Did you say Ababwa? I said Prince Ali Ababwa. Oh, really? <laughs> All right. We'll call oh, that a tie and no one gets it. It's still five nothing. Ah. What is the name of the song from the animated feature Robin Hood that is based on Robin Hood's favorite expression? Oodalali. Nailed it. Six. What show at Disneyland Park features Pecos Bill and Slew Foot Sue in a musical comedy review? I know this. Three seconds. Two. Saludos Amigos, One. the show. Nope. The no. Golden Horseshoe is like a, it's a theater show you can watch there. Huh. I actually didn't know that. In The Lion King, who is killed in a Willoughby stampede? Mufasa. <laughs> Chris got it. <laughs> in the animated feature Robin, there's a lot of Robin Hood here. Robin Hood, who is Maid Marian's lady in waiting? Lady Cluck. David got ah, it finally. He got me. All right, it's seven to one. This could be an epic comeback. I've been dethroned. What is the syndicated animated television series that stars Goofy? Goof Troop. Yep, eight one. In the song "I Want to Be Like You" from the Jungle Book, who calls himself King of the Swingers and the Jungle VIP? King Louie. Yep, nine nothing. All right, game point here. <laughs> oh no. What is the name of the evil poacher from Rescuers Down Under? <laughs> Crud. I know but this. We just watched this, Dave. Muldoon. Yeah, That's I not know. McLeach. Percival ah. McLeach. Ah. All right, still game point. Who does Pocahontas turn to for advice? Grandmother Willow. That's a tie. We'll That's move on. Who is the tavern keeper that takes over Toad Hall in Disney's The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad? Weasel, <laughs> Mr. Weasel. <laughs> I had, there's options. I'd say like the weasel dudes. Is, ah. it, is it Agnes, Winky, or Cyril? Cyril. Winky. I don't winky. know. It's Winky. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. Well, Chris, that was a 10-1 landslide. Good work. Dave, you'll have to brush up on your trivia. Yeah, I don't think there's hope. 
<laughs> and with that, we'll move on to the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And now, our feature presentation. Coming to theaters, summer 1996. Walt Disney Pictures presents its all-new 34th full-length animated motion picture, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The Hunchback of Notre Dame is based on the 1831 book of the same name by French writer Victor Hugo. It was pitched to the Disney folks by development executive David Stainton. In 1993, he pitched it to Jeffrey Katzenberg. Meanwhile, Gary Truesdell and Kirk Wise were somewhat fresh off Beauty and the Beast and they began developing a feature based on the Greek myth of Orpheus. That eventually fell apart and Katzenberg demanded that they work on Hunchback. Kirk Wise was quoted as saying that Hunchback had a great deal of potential, great memorable characters, a really terrific setting, and the potential for fantastic visuals and a lot of emotion. So the production began in summer of 1993. A bunch of crew members traveled to Paris that October, and their trip there included three days of private tours around the cathedral, including a whole bunch of places that aren't normally open to the public. A guy named Tab Murphy was brought on to write the screenplay for this movie. He also ended up writing Tarzan, Atlantis, and Brother Bear, among other various projects. He added in the love story, while Truesdale and Wise contributed the gargoyle characters. Hmm. They turned the character of Claude Frollo into a judge rather than an archdeacon, which he is in the book. This was to avoid a bit of religious uh, confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that only slightly remedied the problem. Only slightly. And there was a very interesting quote that I read that made me laugh and cringe a bit. This was Kirk Wise again, I believe. Yeah, the director saying, As we were exploring the characters, especially Frollo, we certainly found a lot of historical parallels to the type of mania that he had. Parallels to the Confederate South, Nazi Germany, take your pick. Huh. Those things influenced our thinking. Producer Don Hahn evaluated that uh, one inspiration for Frollo was found in Ralph Fiennes' performance in Schindler's List. Why? Uh, he murders Jews, uh, yet desires a Jewish maid. So, very interesting inspirations for a Disney movie. But I will move on. And I'm sure we'll talk about that. Oh, yeah. So, casting for this movie. Um, at the beginning, Cindy Lauper was on board, attached to this movie. Really? She thought that she was going to be playing Esmeralda, but then they told her she was going to be playing a gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Ugh. that sort of fizzled out. <laughs> they uh, eventually brought uh, Jason Alexander on board, famous as George Costanza in Seinfeld to play the gargoyle Hugo. As far as Quasimodo, they originally considered Mandy Patinkin. Do you guys know who he is? Yeah. What's his most famous quote? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm losing trivia now. <laughs> I am Indiga Montoya. You killed my father. Prepared to die. Oh, duh. I was Mandy picturing Patinkin. older Mandy Patinkin. Oh, sure, because he was most recently in, like, Homeland and some other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was approached to play Quasimodo. That didn't happen. So they brought on a guy named Tom Hulsey? Hulky? Hulse? I'm not sure. Hulse? Uh, Hulse to play Quasimodo. And he could sing, so they let him do his own singing, which was kind of rare at the time. To counter that, Demi Moore was brought on to play Esmeralda, and she could not sing. <laughs> she, she tried. She tried to sing, <laughs> and she's the one who told him, actually, maybe you should find someone else. They brought on a Broadway singer named Heidi Mullenhauer to be the singing voice of Esmeralda. Tom Hulse, by the way. I don't know how you say his name. I think it's Hulse. Have you ever seen Amadeus? Uh, yes. He, he was plays Mozart. Mm -hmm. Did he get an uh, Oscar nomination for that? You know, I don't know. I think he did. Probably did. That got all sorts of awards and nominations. Yeah. 
So for the character of Phoebus, they wanted someone with kind of Errol Flynn or John Wayne-like qualities. And at the top of their list was Kevin Klein, who is a fellow St. Louisan. One of us. And uh, he said yes, and so that was easy enough. The character of Frollo is played by British actor Tony Jay, who had a small role in Beauty and the Beast. This is a fun fact. Do either of you know what that was? Yes. Did you Google it? No. Oh, you actually knew. Yeah. Okay. How do you know? <laughs> I just, I just know, man. He's man, the guy in the. This the, was not fair. You're the trivia master. <laughs> he's the like. He's like the madhouse wagon guy. He's like, I'll get rid of your father. Yeah. Like one little scene. <laughs> yeah. Where Gaston gives him the bag of coins and. Yeah, and he looks like yeah. a demon at at the end of that scene. He smiles at the screen. Ooh. You know, the directors of Hercules, or sorry, the directors of Hunchback were the directors of Beating the Beast, and they had worked with this guy, and they liked him a lot, and so they offered him the role of, of Frollo. The line in Beating the Beast is, so you want me to throw her, throw her father into an asylum unless she agrees to marry you? That is despicable. I love it. That's I like, love <laughs> it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I love it. The animation team was moved back to Burbank in 1995. We talked a little bit about how they got pushed off to a warehouse in, in Glendale down the street. Oh. And, and Hunchback was one of the first movies produced in this new facility in Burbank. They also brought on folks in Canada and the UK for extra help. And 20% of the movie was made in Paris at their new satellite studio called Walt Disney Animation Paris. So that's appropriate for Hunchback. What do you know? There was uh, some computer animation used for the crowd scenes, especially in the Feast of Fools. They, there's a fun feature. If you Google uh, Hunchback Behind the Scenes on, or search YouTube, you can find them explaining this. They were able to kind of animate a few different characters that were sort of just looped, and then they could change the clothing on them, and they had a few different options, and they just sort of multiplied them in computers. It's really obvious at the end, during the climax, there's like some soldiers, and there's some crowd members, and it's... yeah. Oof. Anyway, uh, the music. So fresh off of Pocahontas, Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz came on board to work on Hunchback. I'll just end that there because I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about those songs later. So the themes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just I'll just Ooh. do a little overarching perspective on them because it's it's certainly more of an important thing to note than in a lot of these movies. They touch on infanticide, lust, damnation, sin. Hell and, and, and religion way more than any of these movies have ever touched on. It is certainly the animated movie with the most focus on, on religion as far as Disney goes, by far. Mm-hmm. There was a quote uh, that Quasimodo is uh, symbolically viewed as being an angel in a devil's body. He's trapped between heaven and above the gritty streets of urban Paris viewed as hell. A lot of interesting thought and backstory and themes went into this movie which which we can dive into real quick the release this movie was originally set for a christmas 1995 release but it was delayed because jeffrey katzenberg uh, left disney around that time to go create dreamworks with mr steven spielberg so it was eventually pushed to a summer 1996 release and premiered june 19th in the new orleans superdome which is the home of the saints the premiere was preceded by a parade through the French Quarter, utilizing a bunch of Disney floats and performers. That was probably actually pretty cool. The movie grossed uh, just over $100 million domestically and a, and a total of $325 million-ish worldwide and was the number five movie of 1996. Number one in 1996 was... Chris, can you guess? 96. Does it have to be Disney? No. I don't know. Domestic, it was Independence Day and Twister. 
Ah, yeah. That makes knew, sense. Knew it wasn't a good year. Good year. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, you throwing shade at Independence Day? Independence Day is great. Yeah. A fun movie. Alan Menken and Steven Schwartz were nominated for Best Score in the Oscars that year, but they were beat out by a movie called Emma, which I'm not familiar with. There was a sequel released in 2002, Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, on DVD and VHS, direct-to-video. Boo. As seems to be the usual, there is a live-action remake in development. It was announced in January. What? Apparent, and, and Josh Gad is rumored to be attached as Quasimodo. <laughs> Count me out. That actually isn't doesn't sound terrible, but... Yeah. And uh, a guy from Game of Thrones is attached to play Phoebus. Oh. What's his, his name is Nikolaj, Nikolaj Koster Waldau. Oh my gosh, is that... Jamie Lannister? Jamie. Jamie Jamie Lannister, yeah. That's like perfect casting. I'm back in. Lastly, in my my monologue here, uh, theme parks. Not a lot, but there was a Hunchback stage show at MGM Studios from 1997 to 2002. It included most of the songs. I flipped through it today. I kind of watched it on Fast Forward. Though they conveniently removed the Hellfire song. Huh. (laughs) Also at Disneyland, there's a section of Disneyland called Big Thunder Ranch, which was adjacent to Thunder Mountain. It is now part of Star Wars Land. But they rethemed that at one point to a theater in the round and Esmeralda's cottage and had a Festival of Fools extravaganza show slash restaurant something there. That's all I've got. David, anything to contribute? Um, I don't think you mentioned that it got a G rating, even though the people making it thought I was going to get a PG rating, (laughs) which is pretty interesting. I mean, considering there's like insinuated torture... And all the other adult themes that you mentioned, yeah. I, I don't know. I, w- I would think it'd be PG. You know, actually, to expand on that, too, the MPAA was hot on this trail. They were, like, out to get this movie to PG. They even sent back, like, especially one of the points of contention was the song Hellfire, Go Figure, the super lusty, grimy song, which is epic as all heck, man. It's, it's so weird. It's so bizarre. The lyrics are out of this world nuts. But uh, they wanted to cut that song completely. And Disney was like, no, we can't cut it. It's like this big thing. So then they're like, okay, well, you need to at least make the animators make Esmeralda not look nude. Because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she's like in the fire, like dancing. Oh, yeah. So apparently they had to like go back and try and make her look more clothed. Jeez. Crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> And if it would have gotten a PG rating, it would have been the first Disney movie to get a PG rating since The Black Black Cauldron. Cauldron. (laughs) Uh, One last fun fact. Belle from Beauty and the Beast makes a brief cameo on the streets. Oh, yeah. I saw that. And the Aladdin's magic carpet is being shaken out on the street. Really? Another little cameo. I definitely saw Belle. Apparently, you can see Pumbaa being carried away on like a spit as well. What? Like there's someone, like there's two people carrying a pig, like a dead pig on a spit. I didn't look for that. I definitely saw Belle though. What, you actually saw her like while you're watching the movie? You're like, hey, there's Belle. Well, I had read that it was there, so I was looking for it. Ah. And there's a shot where it kind of pushes in on the village and she's like in the bottom of the frame and then it quickly, you know, she walks out, but she's Mm. definitely there. All right, so Chris. Yes. Before we get into reactions and details, what was your history with this movie? Had you seen it before? Was this your favorite movie as a child? <laughs> oh, it's my favorite. No. Interesting, interesting thing on this. 
I thought I had seen this movie. <laughs> I was sure I'd seen it. And I had seen a handful of scenes, but there was a lot of connective tissue that I hadn't seen. I don't think I was allowed to watch this as a kid because yeah. it was never in our house and I never watched it with any friends. And I feel like that was just like my mom. If I would go over to her friend's house, I, just, I don't know if she just blocked that movie. It was on the no watch list. But I remember years, years later, it was airing on the Disney Channel and I was just walking through my living room at my parents' <laughs> house and it was on the TV and it was actually the... Uh, Heaven's Light Hellfire scene. <laughs> and it starts out so peaceful. Yeah, And I was just like, wow, this is really, this is nice. And I was just watching it. It goes into this, like, back crap insane scene. Hellfire, dark fire. Now, Gypsy, it's your turn. Choose me or your fire. Be mine. And I was just hooked. Like it's just such an epic, grand score. I was, I was, so I was, I was humming that theme for quite a while, and I was not paying attention to the lyrics at all. Right, David? Did we have this movie in the house? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I, we watched it very much. I think I enjoy it more as an adult. I remembered the final sequence. And Frollo's attacking them and it's everything's on fire around them and that like orange glow. And I remember Quasimodo like jumping around in no- Notre Dame and swinging around and climbing and stuff. But everything in the middle, I didn't really remember. I definitely had toys of mm. like the jester guy and yeah. maybe Esmeralda. Like from a Happy Meal or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. From, I think I think Hunchback partnered with Burger King. Are you sure it wasn't McDonald's? Hunchback was Burger King. Hercules was McDonald's. Bless my soul. Yeah. Well, that was my my brief memories of it. I was basically like watching it for the first time. That's what it felt like for me too. I've definitely seen this, but it had been a really long time. All the Frollo stuff was not in my memory. <laughs> I'll tell you that. So I'll leave I'll leave it at that. So Chris, now that you've watched this movie again today, what is your initial reaction? Get us started. Oh, man. Kind of complicated. I really enjoy the movie. Like, visually, it's stunning and breathtaking, and the music is just out of this world. It's one of my favorite Disney soundtracks of them all. And it's got so much going for it, but there's just so many times that I feel, like, taken aback by some of the story beats and elements, like Frollo, for example. And this is kind of a hot take, I think. But I was not a big fan of the gargoyles. I found them to be largely either distracting from the story or to be just felt so cut up, kid cheesy. And it almost felt like they were trying to ape Aladdin. You know how they always like, they they're kind of exist outside of space and time and they make all this yeah. references and modern stuff. I, I don't know. Like whenever Jason Alexander's flying around like a plane and he like machine guns, spits rocks, he chewed up down at the soldiers. <laughs> Are they real or not? I can't. 
I don't know. They had to do something to make some sort of characters that kids would like. <laughs> they had to, man. Just, they had to. Because I think as a kid, I what little I saw as a child, I liked them a lot. And I was like, oh, yeah, these guys. I love these guys. And the one that's always like waxing philosophical and spouting maxims. He got chuckles out of me, but maybe I'm more cynical now. David, what'd you think? Just one question, Chris. What what didn't you like about Frollo? Because <laughs> he's kind of scummy, which is well, a good yeah. thing for a villain. But man, when I see him sniffing Esmeralda's hair, it's, that whole thing was just so weird for me. It's another level of scummy. Yeah. It's that you like, don't expect out of these. It's a little step further for Disney. You're like, woo-hoo-ho-ho. Ho. Disney sharpened their teeth on this film. Like last week, Pocahontas, you know, Radcliffe is a villain, but he's also like kind of silly. Yeah. Lion King, you could, eh, Scar's pretty evil, but he's also like kind of silly. <laughs> right. A little bit. Yeah. There's nothing likable about Frollo. No, there's nothing. And the thing too is I love Tony J. I think his voice is like perfect. His acting is amazing. Like the casting is dead on. I just think they were a little edgy on him. You know, I think they were, I think it was kind of a misstep to make him so egregiously gross. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. I think what's tough about this movie is if it wasn't like supposed to, maybe it isn't supposed to be. I was gonna say if it wasn't supposed to be a kid's movie. I'd probably like it more. If it was not a kid's movie? If it wasn't supposed to be. Yeah. And I guess if maybe the guy were the, guy were the gargoyles. Like if, if it was just straight up the hunchback story mm. and it's like, beautifully done and the music's incredible oh my goodness the only childish element is the gargoyles right so it's mostly an adult film it is right but i don't think it was marketed for that and so i mean they got burger king toys of frollo (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like like, what is this mom look i got a frollo like that's not Put that that's back. not what they should be gunning towards with this movie. And so I think that's where I struggled with it in general. Like, mm-hmm. it's really good, but mm-hmm. in the context of, like, what it's for, it's really messed up. Yeah. You know what? I think you're touching on exactly what made me so uncomfortable. I think I think that element is what really kind of disjointed me from the story. Because there's, like, this dichotomy of, like, it's a kid's movie. It's a Disney movie. But yeah. it's so mature and it's so spicy. There's a lot of... a like adult humor and content in this and yeah and, and now if it was back in the 40s i probably would think of it differently because mm. i feel like in the early days of disney these weren't necessarily catered towards kids they were just trying to make cool animated movies yeah like snow white isn't necessarily a kids movie pinocchio i wouldn't even call a kids movie like there's some dark stuff in pinocchio yeah fantasia certainly isn't you know and then you get into saludos amigos three cat there's a whole bunch of movies there that really aren't kids movies that probably wasn't even really a genre back then it was just like we just want to make good animated movies but then you start getting into 80s and 90s and they really start going that direction right and i think really start start advertising towards the younger audiences and yeah and animation sort of is starting to become more of a kiddie thing which is too bad i think hunchback definitely feels more like a drama than yeah. a, like coming of age adventure like a lot of the other Disney movies. It sure. feels like a drama. It is a drama. Like the first 10 minutes are a baby being kidnapped and a mom being murdered. And then, you know, it's it's very dark, very dark. Yeah. I was not expecting that at all. I didn't know that it was so adult themed. Um, yeah. To your point, it's it's beyond what we've seen so far in, yeah. in, in, in yeah. this list. Like the, the main 
like real life events that the story is based on is corruption in the church and like using fear to dominate people. And it's like very dark and like things that actually happened, like the church using torture to make people repent and stuff like that, which they hint at, like they, they, you can hear a guy being tortured and Oh yeah. In the dungeon. It's like, it's not. Oh yeah. The former captain. (laughs) I guess besides the gargoyles, the captain, bring some of those like hijinks when they're fighting the guards mm-hmm. and stuff that are a little more kitty feeling but i really enjoyed it just because it was so unexpected how dark and how oh man like quasimodo's story is so sad and even by the end of it he's just in the friend zone and has to just <laughs> put their hands together like oh i'm happy for you and really he's still sad that he didn't that Esmeralda doesn't actually like him. I think in Hunchback 2, he gets a girlfriend. Yeah, he does. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and as I, as I mentioned earlier on, the and you just kind of brought up too, David, the, the religious themes in this are so strong. And Oh, yeah. I think it actually is a pretty interesting picture of Christianity. Yeah. Especially the, like the God help the outcasts deal yeah. in that song. It's definitely a parallel of like Jesus and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Frollo as like the guy who thinks he's all that and and is all buttoned up and and straight and like yeah. as perfect as can be. Super and pious. He's really the opposite of that, mm-hmm. despite believing that he's perfect. And you get Esmeralda, <laughs> who's sort of like the the outcast, and that's the kind of people that Christ hung out with when he was on Earth. You know, and she and she's the one caring for the poor. Not I'm not comparing her to Jesus because Jesus was perfect, but uh, <laughs> right. But it is an inter- interesting parallel, and the fact that they went that way in a, in a in a broadly advertised, widely released Disney movie is is pretty rare and interesting. Yeah, it was a bold move. It was fascinating too to to see their interpretation of it and see see how much it like very much permeated the film. Like one of the songs is called Heaven's Light hell's fire like it like it's a a mashed up song and like it's just there's a lot of religious language throughout and it's i wouldn't call this like a christian film or anything but it definitely pushes those morals yeah there's there's a quote from uh an article that says disney would you know typically approach the name of god with almost a hebraic zeal as in they never would ever say it in movies <laughs> like the hebrew the hebrews never you know they use the word yahweh because they couldn't say god right right uh and now with this movie it's invoked in a manner both pious and puritan <laughs> it's pretty pious interesting like they, they really busted it out here yeah that that they did One of the like major story points that I that really didn't work for me was how Esmeralda and the captain somehow fell in love with each other. It was like one of the more shallow relationships in a Disney movie, which obviously they've had some where they're more developed and some underdeveloped. But this one was definitely it just felt like, oh, they saw each other. They're both attractive. We love each other. There is nothing really more to it than that, which was kind of disappointing. Beautiful people belong together. Yeah, Phoebus is a is a good looking cartoon character. He is my favorite part of this whole gosh dang movie. Well, second second favorite soundtrack is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, part of the movie. But Phoebus, Kevin Klein just crushed it. Every line of dialogue out of his mouth is like a one liner. 
that I just want to try and integrate into my everyday life. <laughs> give me, give me a couple of them. I, I actually I started writing them down. I was like, I gotta remember this. <laughs> Whenever uh, he is injured and goes back to Notre Dame, and then she gets out like a sack of wine. Esmeralda gets out a sack of wine, and he's like, Oh yeah, the wine. And then he she pours it right on his wound to try and clean his wound. I don't know if that would work, by the way, but. Uh, <laughs> And then he makes a line. He goes, "Ooh, not a good year." <laughs> it was oh, funny because yeah. he's like talking about the wine, like he's oh, like he's right, tasting yeah. it, or whenever he's like, "Keep an eye." Or Frollo tells him to keep an eye on Esmeralda, and he goes, "Yes, sir." And he like leans. Dude, just I loved him. I loved every word he said. Let's uh, let's talk about the music. <gasps> Gladly. It is very very good in this movie. It is certainly a, a standout soundtrack. The bells and score. of Notre Dame theme is so good. Morning in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame. The fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells of Notre Dame. One of these fun fact lists says that that track was a late addition to the score. What? Yeah, they added it in late in production because they felt like they didn't have like a a theme song i guess well it's super pervasive in the film so they use it like once a scene minimum a great opening to this movie i mean we've mentioned a little bit how incredible the animation is but it begins with that shot of of the cathedral in the distance above the clouds and just moves on from there like the intricate detail in this movie is uh pretty incredible and that sequence tells quite a tale at least D- lion king worked up to parent death this one just throws you straight in yeah <laughs> i'm amazed that none of these songs were nominated for oscars i'm curious they were what- not no they were nominated for score huh that year original song nominees came from avida hmm. the mirror has two faces one fine day, that thing you do. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> you, see, you guys seen that movie? No. It's it's uh, Tom Hanks's directorial debut. Really? You doing that thing you do? Nothing. No. No. I don't yeah, know. I know. It. Yeah. Okay. Breaking my heart into to a million pieces. Yep. And then the other song that I'm in that year was from uh, Up Close and Personal, and hmm. the win the winner was a song from Evita. So anyway, should have been Hunchback. Anything, <laughs> any of the songs, except the Gargoyle song. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, some some are better than others. God Help the Outcast was great, as were oh, all the songs. Yeah. Man, that song was awesome. Heartbreaking. God help the outcasts, hungry from birth. That had a lot of religious aspects in it, too, especially that scene. I mean, she was, well, she's, she's walking through the church as the worshipers are singing and they're praying for, like, material and earthly things. And she's the one praying for the for the poor and the downtrodden, which is another kind of thing I was talking about earlier. Yeah, another you know, one of those parallels. Where, where to put your priorities, yeah. Versus this uh, Frollo evil, Frodo terrible Baggins. person. Yeah. Frodo Baggins. Have you been eavesdropping? That's Samwise Gamgee, sorry. <laughs> Wrong quote. <laughs> Wrong quote. Yeah, during that scene too, whenever like the congregation of people praying, they all lift up their hands against the stained glass. That's just like objectively gorgeous imagery and how they yeah, it is. time it with a chorus. It's just I was I was taken aback. I was like, wow man, this is 
This is something else. God help the outcast, children And real quick, just a little shout out to Notre Dame Cathedral. Yeah. I don't think anyone was harmed in that fire, so we don't have to like really give it a moment of silence. But it was sad to see that up in flames. Uh, when, how long ago was that? A couple months ago. But they, it seems like they'll be re- rebuilding it, and it'll mm-hmm. be back to its maybe even better glory. But it is forever uh, enshrined in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's right. With that, Mr. Lair, we need a rating system for Hunchback. Oh. So you have quite the experience doing this, so I, I am expecting something amazing. Man, what? I should have thought of this. How about helpful gargoyles? Ten. Out of ten helpful gargoyles. Ten. Ten, po- ten pole dancing Esmeraldas. <laughs> oh, no. Ten fire figure Esmeraldas. <laughs> Side note on that really quick. Uh, were the gargoyles real or not? Are those in his imagination or are they real? They're in his imagination, except the goat. I think the goat interacted with one of them once. Yeah, and Frollo like freaked out when he grabbed the that one like jutted out one. And he falls to his death. So, Chris, <laughs> out of 10, whatever you've settled on, give us your rating and your final thoughts. Out of 10 helpful gargoyles, I'm going to give it a 7. 7 out of 10. Ah, 0. 0.5. 7.5. Okay, final thoughts? Final thoughts on the movie. It was good. I recommend it. It is not for the faint of heart, nor for the very young of audience. But I think it is comprehensive, it's compelling, it's emotional. I found myself tearing up a time or two. Uh, It was definitely better than I remember. Music is unforgettable. Uh, Characters are great. And of course, it's a hallmark in Disney history being part of the Disney Renaissance. So it's, it's it's worth your time. But at the same time, I also think it's, it's got issues. All right. Thanks, Chris. David, out of 10 helpful gargoyles. I would give it a 7.7 Ooh. out of 10 helpful gargoyles. Okay. It's uniqueness definitely added to my enjoyment of it. I I enjoyed the darker, unexpectedly dark themes to the movie. Also, like the real life historical themes mm-hmm. as well. It's definitely a tragedy. Like Yeah. Quasimodo is screwed. The guy that raised him and brainwashed him his whole life is now dead. I guess he, if Esmeralda and that guy are very nice, they'd help take him in and whatever. But like, I don't know. It's not a happy ending for him, really. His whole life just got turned upside down. But everybody I guess loves the, him. The happy ending is he doesn't have to be. Uh, Frollo isn't his master anymore. That that's about it. Yeah. But really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier i'm still kind of struggling with this it's definitely i watched it four days ago five days ago and it's definitely stuck with me thinking about it more than some of these other ones have i will say when we watched it when my wife and i watched it we did not really like it (laughs) (laughs) because because it was so it's so odd and so different than the rest of these yeah but like in reading about it and preparing for this and sort of watching back through it reading more about the themes and sort of the intentions behind a lot of it. I don't know. I've grown to appreciate it more. Uh, I'm certainly yeah. not showing this to a child. Oh, yeah, no. But out of 10, I'll just give it a 6 for now and say that's sort of ever, it could ever be evolving. <laughs> wow. 
I actually kind of wouldn't mind watching it again. I've also like been listening to the music while preparing for this, you know, yesterday and today. And so it's one of those ones that's, that's still kind of in limbo for me, which hasn't really happened yet on this show. So I was going to say, this is unique. Well, it is a unique movie. And so it's a unique situation. Yeah. So yeah. that's my Fits take the bill. with that. Chris Lair, thank you again for joining us. This is a sort of a last minute, last minute episode and you're always willing and ready. So I appreciate it. Always. I'm like the Minutemen of this show. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me. You're I'm ready. Got my, my gunpowder. And David, good to talk with you as always. One sec. Is it? <laughs> He's pulling up a quote. I can feel it. Bring these gypsy vermin into the palace of justice. <laughs> <laughs> that was worth it. Thanks uh, for having me. Of course. Thanks. And we will be back next week with a movie from 1997. He's our hero. It's Hercules. So we'll see you then. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. Hellfire, Darkfire, now Gypsy, it's your turn. <laughs> Choose me or your pyre. Be mine or you, you will burn. Hellfire, Darkfire, now Gypsy, it's your turn. You know I'm much purer. You sneaky son of a... Uh, 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 we're in a church. Uh, uh, we're in a, that's another good one. There's another good Phoebus quote. Don't let this siren cast her spell. Don't let her fire sear my flesh, my flesh and, and bone. bone. <laughs> Destroy Esmeralda and let her taste the fires of hell. Or else let her be mine and mine alone. Oh, that's so weird. It's bizarre, dude. Freaking weird. But I love it. Music right. is so Thanks, dope. Thanks, guys. I need to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, you've been doing this for like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs>